Today, we find ourselves in Judges chapter 16, the story of Samson and Delilah. Samson happens to be the last of the judges here in this book. I never thought I'd say that I have had so much fun reading and studying the book of Judges. I hope you've had as much fun as I have had as we study this great and challenging book together. Judges chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, we'll read through verse 7 and then skip to verse 23. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, let us wait till the light of the morning, and then we'll kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah, And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and we will see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him and that we may bind him to humble him and we'll we'll each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. And the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested. He leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed with all his strength. The house fell upon the lords and upon the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his lifetime. The grass withers and the flower surely fades, but the word of our Lord It stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. Judges 16 has all of the elements of a TV miniseries. Samson and Delilah. Sex, betrayal, cash payment bribery, murder, 
I mean, anybody that says that the Bible is boring just hasn't read the Bible, certainly hasn't read the book of Judges. But one of the goals of reading and studying God's word is to not take stories like the story of Samson and Delilah and on the one hand either worship the characters or condemn the characters. But ultimately, the goal of reading and studying God's word is to see it as the timeless, living word of God. And what I want you to see this morning is that this is not just historical narrative. And it is certainly not just a work of antiquity. But I want you to see God's word for you this morning. And ultimately, in Judges 16, I want you to be able to say that we are Samson, that we see ourselves through the life and the tragedy of the story of Samson. How are we like Samson, particularly here in the story found in Judges chapter 16? Well, the first thing I want to point out to you is our self-reliance. The story of Samson is ultimately humanity's quest for finding reliance and strength in and of themselves. And what we see through the story of Samson is the folly and the utter foolishness of being self-reliant. You see, Samson in this story is public enemy number one. He is the enemy of the Philistines. He is the hated rival and there is a bounty on his head. And so in the middle of the night, the lords of the Philistines find out that Samson is in this home and we will surround it and we will kill him. But what does Samson do? Samson in his time of need, in his moment of suffering, in his moment of trial, does Samson cry out to God? Does he fall to his knees here in the opening verses of Judges 16? No. We read in verse 3, But Samson lay till midnight, and he arose and took the doors of the gate of the city, pulls them up, bar and all, and puts them on his shoulders. What is the point of that verse? What is the point of that element or that part of this narrative? It was Samson's way of saying, in my moment of need, I will rely on my strength and on my power. You can picture Samson as he's pulling the gates and the bars up over his head and on his shoulders. He is declaring, I will build my life and the gates of my reputation will prevail. His strength, his power. We see a man like Samson is a man who suffers from what we suffer with every single day, the folly of relying on ourselves, the folly that brought ruin into the world in Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve said, no, we will not rely on the sovereign creator God, but we will rely on our own strength and our own power. We see in Samson what humanity has been suffering with from the very beginning the folly and the foolishness of self 
reliance. You see, Samson in his time of need in Judges chapter 16 was not singing, I am weak, but thou art strong. He was saying, look at my strength, look at my power, look at my ability to conquer the Philistines all on my own. And if we're honest, this deep down inside, our human nature often runs to the lie and to the trap and the temptation of relying on ourselves in our moments of desperation. Because after all, self-reliance is the core value of our society and our culture. After all, God helps those who help themselves. What verse is that in the Bible? Do you know 53% of the North American church thinks that is a verse in the Bible? God helps those who help themselves. That is not from the word of God. That is from the creed of our humanistic secular culture. No, it couldn't be further from the truth. You see, that is the creed and the anthem of our world. The world says you must find yourself, you must be true to yourself, and above all, you must learn to express yourself. Listen to what I'm about to say. That is from the pit of hell, and it will destroy you. And it is Jesus Christ who over and against the creeds of our culture and our society offers us true life when he says, truly I say to you, a grain of wheat falls on the earth and dies and it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life will lose it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for all Eternity. Do you see the difference of the values and the virtues of this world compared to the values and the virtues of the kingdom of God? Religion says believe in yourself. Christianity alone says renounce yourself. Deny yourself and take up your cross. Christianity alone says deny yourself and wholly lean on Jesus' name so that the grace and the mercy of our sovereign God will eventually break us in our sanctification, denying ourselves renouncing our self-sovereignty, renouncing our self-reliance, and every day saying, no to the self, the self that brings ruin and chaos into the world, my old self, and yes to the new self in Jesus Christ, your old self is worthy of death. The old is gone and the new has come in Jesus Christ. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. One thing to take away from the life and the story of Samson is we see in him our self-reliance that brings death, and may we reject it through the grace and mercy of God. The second thing that we see about ourselves in the story of Samson is, secondly, our longing to be satisfied. Now, don't get me wrong. 
There is nothing wrong with longing. There's nothing wrong with our hearts and souls longing to be satisfied. God created us as beings in his image that would be satisfied. The problem is where we find the source of satisfaction. For Samson and Delilah, these were two empty, thirsty souls that found their satisfaction in sex and money and reputation and power and fame and in fortune. Samson found it in the sexual relationship with Delilah. Delilah found her satisfaction in the opportunity to finally make a name for herself as a prostitute. 1,100 pieces of silver from each of them. You could see what was driving them over and over again. Drinking from the broken cisterns of this world. Drinking from the broken cisterns of sex and money and fame and fortune. And if we're honest, we fall prey to the temptation every day to drink from these wells that do not satisfy our thirst. If we're honest, we fall into the temptation like Samson and Delilah to satisfy our thirsty souls, not by going to the well of Jesus Christ that offers us water that our souls will never be thirsty again, but instead running to the wells of this world that are always broken. And one of the ways we see the application in our lives is that if we do not find our ultimate satisfaction in Jesus Christ, every relationship in our life will be used to fill something, a void in our soul that only Jesus can fulfill. And therefore, every relationship with our spouse, with our children, with our friends, will be used to unnaturally fill that void, turning you into a taker instead of a giver. And what will happen is you will constantly manipulate every relationship because you're trying to get from that person. I'm trying to get the affirmation that my soul needs from my spouse or my kids or my colleagues or from my social media followers that is only able to be provided and satisfied from Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing for us to have relationships I didn't need anything from the other person. Where I actually could give sacrificially to my brothers and sisters. I could actually give sacrificially to my spouse. And I could give sacrificially to my children. I could actually give sacrificially to my brothers and sisters here at Coral Ridge. Expecting nothing in return. Because I realized the deep, deep need of my soul is satisfied by Jesus Christ. This is not a relationship Samson and Deliah built on love, but it is built on manipulation. It is built on filling a void that only God can ultimately fulfill. And you see the downward spiral and ruin and chaos that it brings into their lives, into the lives of those around them. But there's good news for those that are in Christ. In Christ, believe that in him and him alone, we have the very thing that our soul longs for and our souls will never be satisfied until we ultimately find our hope and rest and peace and joy in the cross of Jesus Christ. In the story of Samson, we see 
our longing to be satisfied. So we see our self-reliance, we see our longing to be satisfied, and lastly, we see our desperate need for the grace of God. At the end of this story, I pray that you ultimately see that Judges chapter 16 is a story of God's amazing grace. In verse 23, we see Samson has been captured and bound. He's had his eyes removed. He's blinded. And we find Samson in the temple of Dagon, the god of the Philistines. But finally, as they are mocking him, as they are using Samson, blinded and stricken, they're using him for their amusement. Finally, unlike what the Samson we see at the beginning of this story, in verse 28, we finally see a Samson falling to his knees. We finally see a Samson that is broken. We finally see a Samson who realizes, not according to my strength and power, but according to the strength and power of God alone. We finally see a Samson who cries out, I can't, but I know the one who can. It's in verse 28. We read that finally Samson calls out to the Lord and says, Oh Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once. It is finally in Dagon's temple that Samson humbles himself, recognizing that only the grace of God could ever rescue and deliver him. And the lesson for us thousands of years later is that we are never so far removed from the grace and mercy of God that you, even you, can cry out from Dagon's temple. That even you might find yourself this morning on the ground, not able to get up, that you find yourself this morning in Dagon's temple wondering, how did I get here? but also wondering, would God ever accept somebody like me? Would you heed this lesson from the life of Samson that even Samson from Dagon's temple cries out to God and that the Lord still hears. The Lord delivers him. At the beginning of this sermon, I told you that I wanted you to see something important in this passage. I wanted you to see yourself in the story of Samson and Delilah. But there's someone even greater that I want you to see in Judges chapter 16. Even greater than yourself is the story of a greater deliverer, the story of a greater judge. For it would be hundreds of years later that another judge deliverer by the name of Jesus Christ would come. And Jesus Christ, he would be blindfolded He would be betrayed by his very own. The great judge, Jesus Christ, would be handed over to the pagan Gentiles. And on the cross, he would not destroy 3,000 men and women, but he would destroy the great enemy of the people of God once and for all. That on the cross, the enemy of sin and death would be crushed and defeated And so the question is, what in the world would move and motivate a prideful, self-reliant, soul-thirsty man like Samson to finally fall to his knees? 
It was the reality that he needed to depend on the amazing grace of God and the favor of God to bring someone greater than Samson to his rescue, that his faith was placed in a future deliverer, and our faith is placed in the great deliverance of Jesus Christ on our behalf. You see, the big story of Judges 16, the big story of Samson, is not Samson and Delilah. The big story is not you. The big story of Judges 16 is the great deliverance of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ would come, that he would take self-reliant, soul-thirsty people like you and me and bring us to our knees and move us to cry out for the only one that can deliver, the only one that can save the only one that can move us from placing our confidence in ourself and place our confidence in Jesus Christ alone. Do you know him? In Dagon's temple this morning, you might find yourself. You might find your marriage in Dagon's temple. You might find your situation with your family in Dagon's temple. You might find the place of your life right now that you are in Dagon's temple and you are wondering who in the world will deliver me? Jesus and Jesus alone. Paul makes it super clear that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe it in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is no deliverance and no salvation and no hope apart from the great deliverance of Jesus Christ. The only thing that would move self-reliant, soul-thirsty people like you and me to cry out on our knees, yes, on our knees even from Dagon's temple. Jerry was a quadriplegic. He was a high school football star in Nebraska and In the state championship game, he broke his neck. The rest of his life confined to a wheelchair. Ten years after the tragedy, he committed his life to Christ. And he also committed to go into education, teaching high school students. And Jerry was telling his story and his testimony. And one of the things that he lamented year after year was high school graduation. Because he said a high school graduation speaker after high school graduation speaker would always leave the students with this challenge. Believe in yourself. He said, what terrible advice to offer. As he sat in his wheelchair year after year, he said, what good does it do for me to believe in myself? One day he was teaching in his classroom and he got so excited that he literally fell out of his wheelchair And lying on the ground, he said to himself, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I wanted to, I could not get myself up off that ground. And the truth is, neither can you. See, the story of Christianity alone is that we are on the ground, helpless, without a hope, And it is the grace and mercy of God and his deliverance through Jesus Christ alone that takes us up off that ground and lifts us up. There is no hope and no deliverance other than through the grace and the mercy of the great deliverer, Jesus the Christ. And in Christianity alone, we have a God 
that through Jesus Christ we can call on even from Dagon's temple. And he alone will hear us. And he alone will rescue. So Christian, in this long journey of learning what it means to deny ourselves, this long journey of learning what it means to utterly depend on Jesus Christ alone, I simply leave you with this. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise and forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. Our Father and our God, Lord, I pray that we would heed the word today, that our very nature allows us every day to wrestle with the temptation, to believe in ourselves, to rely on ourselves, to rely on our strength and power, and to buy the lie that somehow our thirsty souls can be quenched with the cisterns and the wells of this world. Would you break us? Would you break us of our self-reliance? Would you break us from the temptation of running to cisterns, broken cisterns that never quench, the things of this world that never satisfy? And may we daily put to death our old self. It is worthy of death. And may we daily, by your grace, learn what it means to be conformed into the image and likeness of Christ, saying no to my old self and yes to the new creation that I am in Jesus Christ. By your spirit, empowered by your grace, less of me and more of you, this is where life is found. Bring me to my knees. Bring us as a church to our knees, realizing there is no hope. And Lord, for those that are here this morning and watching online, maybe they find themselves in the pit of despair. They find themselves crying out for deliverance, not knowing where their help will come from. May you, by your spirit and according to your grace, reveal yourself to them in their brokenness. May they see Jesus the one who offers complete forgiveness, the one who offers himself on the cross so that they can be saved forever. May they look to you for salvation. May they confess you as Lord and Savior. May their testimony be on this day, I was an orphan, but I was saved as a child of God. Today's the day I became born again not according to my strength or my merits or my righteousness, but according to the merits and the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, surrender and fall to your knees. Confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead for you so that you could have life and life to the full, both now and forevermore. Amen.